it's Big Joe for Absolute Comfort, your trusted, independent, American Standard Air dealer. Owner Chris Wedekin sells the ductless Mitsubishi Electric Mini Split, which is a great option to heat and cool individual spaces while blending into the decor. If you want your poker room to be dressed up, you could take a vinyl wrap and put on these. If you like the more modern look, they have styles in black, silver, and pearl white that would be more aesthetically pleasing for your rooms. Find out more at absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted, independent, American Standard Air Mitsubishi Electric Elite Ductless Pro Dealer. Good morning. It is Monday, December 19th. It is six minutes after 10. This is the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC and Rob Kendall has the day off and Brad Kloppenstein is joining us in the studio today. Uh, By the way, Rob's been texting me this morning. Rob, go do something productive. (laughs) Don't listen. We've got this. You know what he's, you know what he's texting right now? Stuff for tomorrow's show when he'll be back. (laughs) He cannot let it go even for a day. Rob, will you go bowling or do some last minute Christmas shopping. Maybe go buy some salt for the sidewalk for the upcoming snowpocalypse. Take a nap. Do something. Okay, let's start off talking about what's going on down in El Paso. The mayor of that city has declared a state of emergency. Yeah. He's citing the hundreds of migrants sleeping on the streets in the cold temperatures and the thousands being apprehended every day. He said the emergency declaration would give city authorities the resources and ability to shelter migrants who have crossed the Mexican border. He said, we wanted to make sure people are treated with dignity. We want to make sure everyone is safe. Of course, uh, Republicans are blasting the Biden administration for the growing crisis. And a record number of migrants have been caught crossing the border under President Biden. And they're now saying as many as 18,000 a day could cross the border after Wednesday, after Title 42 is lifted or expired, whatever you want to say. No longer there, no longer working, no longer happening. So it's a problem down there. And the the Biden administration is not doing a good job of getting a handle on this. Now, my personal stance is mm-hmm. I am a tall fence, wide gate kind of guy. Mm-hmm. That America has worked for eons because we have allowed immigrants to come in. However, we need to know who they are. They need to check in. We need to vet them and make sure that they are not dangerous felons or criminals from wherever they're coming from, that they're not bringing drugs with them across the border. But we also need to have a plan of when they cross, what are we going to do with them? We, they can't just dump them on El Paso. I just pulled up population of El Paso, mm-hmm. 678,000 people. If they're getting 2,500 people an influx a day, mm-hmm. so basically El Paso is half the size of Indianapolis, so that would be the equivalent of 5,000 people coming in a day to Indianapolis every day. Mm-hmm. What would we do with those people if they were here? Um, El Paso shouldn't not have to shoulder this by themselves. There needs to be some sort of a plan of how are we going to A, check these people, vet them, and then disperse them mm-hmm. so that it's you know that they don't all have to end up in in Texas or Florida or New Mexico or Arizona that you know some of them end up in the Midwest. Some of them go to the Pacific Northwest. Some of them go to New England. Um, and then you and I were talk, talking off air 
I don't know that it's necessarily our responsibility to make their country suck less. Mm. However, if their country sucked less, then they wouldn't. There wouldn't be such a demand for them to want to come here. They, they wouldn't think that this is their only opportunity to better themselves. Uh, and it goes back to supply chain issues. If we don't want to be as reliant on China, somehow maybe we should try to set up some infrastructure in Central America, South America, to where there's jobs for those people and some sort of an opportunity. I think that helps them, it helps our immigration crisis, and it helps our supply chain. So when I'm elected president, that will be one of my platforms. The White House has insisted that there are preparations in place for when Title 42 expires, although they're very hesitant to provide any specific steps or outline, here's point one, here's point two, here's point C, D, and Yeah, I mean, This is where I say, oh, and I will believe it when I see Mm -hmm. it, because we can all say we have a plan, but unless you put the plan to paper and you roll it out, there is no plan. So the GOP has been calling to impeach the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas. And over the weekend, of course, Sunday morning, all the talking heads, we've got a lot of audio that we want to play for you as you try to make sense of this. For me personally? For everybody. Um, So Kevin is standing by. He's ready to go 10 minutes after 10. This is what happened on Face the Nation. Uh, CBS said that they, as well as other media organizations, have been barred by the Biden administration from filming inside immigration detention facilities that are currently overflowing with people. Uh, does that sound like freedom of press? You it, can't come in here and record what we're doing. It does not sound like freedom of the press. No. Uh, it does not sound like freedom of information. It does not sound like freedom. Um, I understand it is a tough situation, and it's not going to be ideal living conditions, but it's going to be better than the people being outside in the elements. Okay, so uh, Representative Tony Gonzalez from Texas says that hearings are going to start to take place, and then he shared his own video of migrants because, well, the news organizations aren't allowed in, but he's a rep, so with a phone, so he's got video, and uh, here he talks about it. Yeah, it is a dire situation in El Paso. As you know, the city declared a state of emergency. This is something you do when there's a hurricane, a fire, an earthquake. What is happening is it's a hurricane of migrants, and everyone is impacted. I represent 823 miles of the southern border. I've seen this exact play play out a year ago in Del Rio is what's happening in El Paso now. You know, I was just in El Paso uh, a, a few days ago, mm-hmm. and what I saw at the migrant center I had never seen before. I visited I had visited the processing center there many times and what I saw were hundreds over 500 migrants in a in a uh, pod they call them pods essentially a large cell that holds about a hundred people there's one bathroom the odors terrible and, and there's eight pods in there and, and so th- those are the good conditions outside just above the hill there's a thousand uh, a little over a thousand migrants waiting in outdoor conditions not to yeah. mention the people that are waiting by the by the uh, by the bridge and elsewhere. It's a very dire situation in El Paso. Uh, I just want to say to our viewers who are just looking there at video that you provided to CBS that I believe you shot inside those facilities. And we are relying on that cell phone video in part because CBS News and other media organizations have not been permitted to film recently inside those facilities. 
Okay, so it sounds like it's not a pleasant experience at no. all down there. And uh, even amid Biden's border crisis, Joe Manchin says that Alejandro Mayorkas, he's he's very competent, Brad, and uh, he can do a good job. How do you yeah. get to bipartisan legislation on legal migration when you are uh, about to face a Republican-controlled House that's vowed to impeach the Homeland Security Secretary? Yeah, well, first of all, that's it's, it's, it's an unfair charge against Ali Mayorkas. I think the gentleman is, is, is very competent. He can do a good job. They just need to unleash him, let him do his job. They okay, so they need to unleash him and let him do his job. I would like to Who hear Who is stopping him from doing his th- job? That's what I want to hear. I want to hear him expand on that a little bit more. If they're not letting him do his job, how are they handcuffing him? Right. Because if if he is being handcuffed, yes, we need to know that and let 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 him loose. Let him go do what he needs to do mm-hmm. to take care of this situation if they're not letting him do that. The the other side of that coin is if Manchin's just trying to have his back, then he's probably not doing his job. Manchin went on to say that he wants Title 42 extended. I'm glad you could join us. You wrote this letter to President Biden this week uh, saying there would be a complete loss of operational control at the southern border once Title 42 ends in about three days. So what more can the administration be doing and what can Congress deliver in the coming days? Well, let me just say the border is we have a crisis at the border. Everyone can see that. I think everyone realizes that something has to be done. Uh, it, 42 needs to be extended until we can get a really, truly immigration reform. Immigration reform will not happen in our country until we all come, both sides of the aisle, Democrats, Republicans, and the administration, that you have to have total border security. But security the courts ordered the 42 game, to be struck down. Then you can have. I understand that the president needs to use every bit of power he has as an executive to find a way or ask for an extension. The president can basically, I think, ask for that extension. I think his administration is doing that or will do that. I sure hope they do. But we need an extension until we can get a viable answer for this. Right now, this is unattainable. This is wrong. You can't do this to the southern border. John Cornyn, my friend, uh, senator from Texas, they're on the front lines. They're the largest border we have. Uh, state that borders uh, Mexico, and it just, it's just un- unattainable. It's unsustainable as well. Okay, so Biden's advisor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, uh, was asked, why hasn't Biden been to the border? This is a crisis. They're all state of emergency. If it were a hurricane, he'd be down there in a second, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there was an earthquake there yesterday. But he hasn't. But he hasn't been. And remember, he said just a week, two weeks ago, he's got more important things to do. Right? Oh, take a nap. Yeah. But uh, but he is. He's leaning in. But why doesn't he go to the border? He was just in Arizona. Why wasn't it worth his time? Well, you have to remember, Margaret, when the president travels, it's not like you or I jumping on an airplane and getting off and going to our destination. Everything comes to a halt. So all of these things are in consideration for the president. Is that the best use of resources? All of the resources that will be diverted on the ground when the president makes a visit. Is that why he didn't go? Is that visit... 
Well, I can't speak to why he has or has not gone. I'm just speaking to the fact that it's a bit more disruptive for the president of the United States to travel than you or I. But what the president has done is continue to lean in on this immigration issue. It's something uh, that he ran on. And what we know over the past two years, every single thing that the president has run on, he's put time and resources into addressing that. So immigration, we know, is a problem that he did not create. Mm -hmm. um, our issues with mm -hmm. immigration are decades-long issues, and he will continue to lean in through the White House and through Congress to get comprehensive immigration reform done. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, there's a bit to unpack there. First of all, this is a spokesperson for the president who said, I'm not here to answer that question. I'm just here. She's no, talking, no, she's talking about logistics. The president just doesn't come in. Yes, we all know that. But, but he actually can. Take a beat, schedule it, do what you got to do, have the guy down there. And she said it's something he ran on. Something he ran on, well, he sucks at it. He does. He's had two years. F, F, F right? Oh, and yeah. then she just goes on to blame the last guy. Yeah. With but no clear answer of why hasn't he been to the border? Well, clearly we know he told us he's got more important things to do. That's what he says. I think this is fairly important. I don't know. I don't know why we don't post the military down there. That's there. Somehow we have to secure our border. We can't have we can't have our, our all of our military scattered all over the globe. But yet, effectively, we have an invading force that's just pouring across that southern border unchecked. We yeah. have to somehow check this and regulate it to some degree and i go back to who are these people we at least need to know who they are and have some plan of where they're going to go they can't just stay there you said that we're we're being invaded we are and and instead of guns it's fentanyl right it's fentanyl it it is people that are coming here that are uneducated they're wanting to work, but what skills do they have? I mean, even 100 years ago, 120 years ago, when they're going through Ellis Island, they at least ask you, what are your skills? What did you do when you were at home? And they came up with some plan for what you, were, what you brought to the table. Mm -hmm. um, we're not doing any of that. So, uh, And all we're doing is just punting. We, we're continuing to kick the ball down the road and hoping that somehow it will resolve itself. It is not resolving itself. Sovereignty matters. It is 19 minutes after 10. This is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Good morning. Well, it's Christmas time. 23 minutes after 10, this is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Casey. Brad Kloffenstein is in for Rob Kendall today. So I saw this, and I just wanted to add it to the template so that we could take a quick stab at it. Uh, Connecticut women high school athletes have been waiting for justice for years, and nope, they, they didn't get the answer they wanted. Uh, their, uh, their sporting events and rankings were upended by biological males who entered into women's competitions and then dominated them and these women decided to sue in federal court and they lost and uh, they're saying that the case is moot now because all of the people involved have since graduated from high school and um, 
so there's there's no reason for this case at all. It's not moot because there's there's continuing to be other generations that are coming along where this is applicable. And that's what I thought as well. Like, wouldn't they want to set some precedents? Well, uh, clearly they are setting precedents here. Federal court declares it's fair for biological males to compete in women's sports. No, it's it is not not fair. And, and my my take on this is. I, when you were born, you have certain DNA, and if you have male DNA, you are predisposed to be bigger than females, mm-hmm. it, it, more athletic. It's just just the way nature has worked over the last 100,000 years to get us to this point. Mm-hmm. So, regardless of whether the male identifies as a female or not, they are going to have certain physical advantages that are going to allow them, especially something like you know lacrosse or whatever the sport is, swimming, they're going to have an advantage. Now, it, I mentioned earlier in the show, I played soccer at Mount Vernon High School. Our soccer team was actually co-ed at the time, and there were a couple girls that played. And, mm-hmm. and I think if it goes that direction, I am perfectly fine with it. But I, I do think, as a matter of equal opportunity to participate, that women's sports should be biologically female. Now, did the girls play soccer on your co-ed team because there wasn't a team of their own? There was not a girls soccer team. Uh-huh. And that, that is why. Aha. Uh-huh. I think you're onto something uh-huh. there. Okay. So. so why do we have Title IX? Why does that even exist then, if we're just going to let people play whatever on whatever team they want? I mean, I was right. told by Penn High School in northern Indiana that we couldn't add girls lacrosse as a monogram varsity sport because there had to be an equal number of sports for boys and girls. There had to be boys sports and girls sports. And if they were going to add girls lacrosse as a varsity sport, they would have to get rid of a different girls sport. And I think they had gymnastics, and they didn't even compete because the closest school was 40 minutes away. I, I don't think they would have to get rid of another girl's sport if they didn't want to. I think Title IX says that there needs to be equal access for females to participate in a, a similar number of sports, mm-hmm. but I, I think you can be off one or two one way or the other. Um, so... It, and if if they were really that concerned about adding girls lacrosse, then add a men's sport, mad men's volleyball or something. Mm-hmm. It's but but don't use that as an excuse to get rid of sports or not or not even bring in a sport. I I think the more opportunities that student athletes have to compete and participate, regardless of what the sport is, the better off we are as far as building character and building young adults that are going to be productive adults. So under the Trump administration, the Department of Education said it, that it was not. Ex- Acceptable for males to compete in women's athletes. And then the Biden administration kind of leaned into weakening that stance just a bit for biological males who now identify as women. Okay, we've got uh, we've got to get to a break. We do have some phone calls on the way. And uh, Tucker Carlson had a massive roast of Adam Kinzinger over the weekend. And uh, a Twitter account named Cat Turd got involved as well. So we're <laughs> going to get to all of those things coming up from 93 WIBC. Good morning. It's time to get to your- 
your voicemails at 317-684-8444. That is the phone number. If you'd like to leave us a message, it is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. And Brad Klopfenstein is filling in for Rob, who has the day off. It's 1034. So last week we were talking about something that was going on in Oregon. Uh, They had released this questionnaire for sixth graders. And a lot of the questions had to do with their personal pronouns and their sexual preference. Keep in mind, this is sixth graders, okay? And we got a phone call about that. Hi, I'm calling from Oregon, and I was listening to your uh, show on Friday, and uh, regarding the the sexual preference or gender identity tests that students in sixth grade were given, I am horrified, to tell you the truth. I raised two kids. Uh, Fortunately, they were not in the public school system here because the wheels were falling off back then, and uh, they've come completely off now, Um, to the point where our graduation rate was so low um, in the last few years that Governor Brown simply just decreased the requirements so that our graduation rate would increase. So that's one issue. But as far as this test, I am just, like I said, I'm horrified, and I bet you everything that I almost own, maybe not everything, but I would bet you that those kids have never taken a test in any subject with 76 questions on it. I guarantee that. So it's it's just a sad state that we are living in. Uh, we are looking for the exit door as I speak. Take care. Love your show. Bye-bye. Uh, okay, so she raises an interesting point there. You're talking about 10, 11-year-olds, and this was a 70-plus questionnaire about their bodies, their feelings and thoughts towards their bodies, and their sexuality. Things that they probably had never even put a whole lot of thought into until it's brought to their attention. Hey, we want you to think about this. And then it's 70 plus questions. She's right. They've probably never had that long of a test ever no. about anything. First, I'd like to say, good morning, Oregon. Yeah. What time is it? It's they're three hours behind it. 7.36 in uh, Oregon this morning. So... My wife is a public school teacher mm-hmm. and does a fine job, uh, elementary school teacher. But her her thing on this is, she goes, yes, people will talk about sexual identity and all these kids say they want to be cis and you know lesbian, gay, whatever. She's like, no, they are just kids, and what they what they hear is it's like, oh, I I like hanging out. A little girl says I like hanging out with my girlfriends. That must mean I'm a lesbian. My wife's like, no, if they, if we're going to let them identify as that, we need to say, you know what that means, right? It means you're going to put your mouth somewhere and do cert- certain things to this other person. If you actually said, took it to the conclusion of this is what this means, most of them would be like, oh gosh, no, that's not what I, that's not what I intended. They just, but they, they start the conversation, but don't end it. Right. Yeah. They don't end the conversation say, this is what this, this means. If they say it just means you like, like girls. Well, little girls are going to be like, yes, my best friend's a girl. I, mm-hmm. I must I must be a lesbian. No, that's not what that means. It just means you're a little girl. It means you have friends. Yes, it means yeah. you have friends, exactly. 317-684-8444, that is the phone number. And uh, what's up next? Holy cow, man. It's the weekend. I just finished off a nice case of the old broom. But you guys aren't on the radio, and I need to hear a little of the old Kendall and Kate. 
What was I, he asking for? He just wanted some company on the weekends. Now, I will say that, I want to remind or tell that listener, Casey, good news. Alps Brow is this much closer to being brewed. Yeah. So this is this is your, this your is brand, mine. your label. It's an old Indiana beer brand. I own the <laughs> trademark on it, and I am in discussions with a brewery. There's a recipe being created. Kevin's looking. Here, uh, Kevin, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued even, by this. I will even leave you with this koozie. <laughs> oh, so, uh, but yeah, so uh, I, I want that listener to know. Hopefully, within the next 45 days, he will be able to buy Alps Brow at a local retailer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Allow me to use this opportunity to promote my product. Hey, Are hey, you I, going to have statewide distribution? Uh, it will be probably Fort Wayne area and mm-hmm. Indianapolis area initially to start with. To start with, uh-huh. so. Uh, so we'll see how the capacity goes. And uh, hey, Brad, you never know. We have listeners in Oregon. You could go nationwide with this. Uh, well, that <laughs> ideally that's the plan. And trust me, this is going to be a beer sample Friday product. Whenever there's product to be had. Fantastic. Okay, uh, we've got more phone calls. What's up next? Hey, Casey, just heard your comments about Survivor uh, this year and the winner, Gabler, who donated the entire winnings to veterans, which I think is incredible. Uh, I'm like you, take a bit of a passing interest at times for many of the same reasons that you quoted with all of the wokeness that has uh, become so prevalent in the show these days. But uh, one of the episodes that I did catch this year, Gabler, they were engaged in a, uh, a competition of endurance, and each minute he was pledging to another veteran or a friend who was going through a particular struggle uh, as others began to fall out he was so determined and i thought that that made an impression upon me uh anyway just thought i would share that glad to see him win it i did catch the final episode or at least parts of it uh to see the hit one i had not heard that about his uh donating the winnings however which i think is incredible uh love the show even more when kendall takes the day off uh <laughs> hashtag bring back beckwith y'all have a great day see you okay so he's talking about uh survivor the tv show right. and season 43 we, we we talked about this last week. I have for a long time loved the show Survivor since it began back in 01, I, I believe is when it first came on the scene. You, you know that I was the running mate to Rupert, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rupert's a great dude. Uh, did you Were you ever tempted to be on Survivor? What what made I, him decide to go on? I, I don't know. He was good at it. Yeah. I mean, he, he made the show there for the first 15 seasons whenever he was on. Did you binge watch every season? No, no. no I, I watched some of the episodes with him, some mm-hmm. of the, some of the bigger ones. I mean, it was fun. It, it, Survivor has a big reach. Anytime mm-hmm. we were on a campaign trail, if we stopped for gas, we had to build in a half an hour into that stop because everybody in the vicinity would call all their friends and be like, "Hey, you got to come down here. Rupert from Survivor's here." Yeah, everybody and, knew him from that show. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was well known. I uh, I enjoyed watching the show for a very long time, and it became uh, my daughter and I's one of our shows that we would bond over until it just became too woke and nonsensical, and I stopped watching it. And then I found out that season 43, the winner donated his million dollars to veterans. 
And so that's what that fellow was calling about. I would love to be in a position to be able to donate a million dollars and <laughs> and, and keep a million right. to myself. So now Rupert was telling me, so he got a million dollars for being a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. He said in the end, he only cleared about 450000 of that because yeah. that is not considered earned income. It is like it, a it lottery winnings. So yes, yeah, so it is all taxable at the mm-hmm. highest rate and there's no way to get around that. I'm surprised that they haven't upped the prize. After this long, I mean, the show's been on 20 plus years now at this point. They have point. a long, long waiting list of people who want to be on the show for free. Mm-hmm. So that I don't think there's any need. They could probably dial it back to 100,000. And I've been, I've been tempted to send in a, uh, a tryout video. And they say, don't just send in a TikTok. Like, make it specific for Survivor. Mm-hmm. And then after I thought about that for a while and everything that it takes... I, it, the part about sleeping with bugs, and that's that's where I drew the, drew the line. I always thought the Amazing Race was more my speed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do they sleep in hotels? They do now. <laughs> okay. it, it used to be that they were sleeping in airports and begging for money, and they were fine that because it was reinforcing the ugly American persona. Yeah, so. I'd be I'd be one of those people on Survivor who would be all tough, and I'd be going in, you know, day one and two, yeah, and by day three I'd be the one crying on camera. Well, well you know, completely those early, embarrassing myself. Those early seasons of Survivor, they were almost starving to death, and yeah. I think Survivor's like, ooh, we don't well, want. Somebody, we can't do that. Yeah, right. we don't want people dying on our show. We're gonna have to feed them more. Yeah, the lawyers got involved and yes. said you can't do that. It is ten forty three. This is the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. I believe I know Hammer's got a lot of vacation time lined up. I think he's here today. I'm going to go check on that. If not, I can play both seats. Okay. (laughs) It's on the way from 93 WIBC. Good morning. in the studio with the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. It is 1048 and uh, Hammer, the YouTube chat room has been having a discussion (laughs) about whether I wore chaps into work today. Prove them wrong. (laughs) You've got a webcam right there. Stand up right now. Okay. Give the folks on the YouTube a little something something here. Just jeans, Now turn around. Turn around. No, I'm not going to do all that. But listen. Well, then you're wearing chaps then. No, because see, (laughs) what they saw was my jacket that I have hanging over the back of my chair. And I guess when I'm sitting in front of it, maybe it looks like they were chaps. It's too cold to ride a motorcycle into work right now. It's too cold in the studio. Now, keep in mind, I'm a guy that likes things a little on the cooler side than most. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ever since <laughs> our ownership changed, mm-hmm. they've just flat out turned off the heat yeah. on the fourth floor of the WIBC wing here. Yeah, so there's little space heaters scattered around everywhere. Right. I was told at one point there used to be one here in the studio. Maybe I need to bring one in. Perhaps, but the problem with we're, that we're gonna, is... We're going to keep you on payroll but you're going to freeze while you're here. <laughs> but like, here's the problem with the space heater in the studio. Because I remember who used to have it. It used to be uh, Mock. Mm-hmm. And she would turn it on. But she's like everybody's grandma where you walk in here. There's a fine line between being the studio's a little chilly to holy hell, it's 105 in here. <laughs> so she would have this thing roasted. It's like walking into your grandma's house like for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And she's had the heat set on 107 for about a month. <laughs> I was here in those days occasionally. And I walk in, I'm like, man, that equipment's putting off a lot of heat. And you'd see a, a space heater in the corner. I'm like, oh, now I get it. And sometimes she'd forget to turn it off. Mm-hmm. So we would come in, you know, a little bit later on and the 
minute we'd walk in here, it's like when you get off a plane, when you're going to like a Cancun or something, mm-hmm. and you arrive at the airport and you get off and you're like, holy hell, is it hot in here? Right. It's <laughs> like you've got your winter clothes on. You get off the plane someplace warm and gotcha. Okay, so let's talk about what happened this weekend with the Colts. All right. <laughs> They're record setters, huh? Congratulations to the Indianapolis Colts. You have now been part of a historic weekend of the NFL. They were up 33 to nothing. Things were looking good. And then they weren't. <laughs> they blew that lead. They lost the game. It was the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL. So look at Matt Ryan here, your quarterback. He's now responsible or on the losing end, rather, of the biggest choke job in Super Bowl history Mm -hmm. and the biggest choke job in regular season history. And I think that warrants a round of applause. (laughs) I think he also gets the playoffs. Biggest (laughs) choke job. Now, I love the graphic that they put up. This was only midway through the fourth quarter when the comeback had not yet fully happened. They said teams with a 30-point lead in the history of the NFL since 1930 are (laughs) 1,881-1-1. What what I'm going to say here, there was a point in that game where every Colts fan looked at somebody and said, this thing's not over. Like when they were up 33 to nothing Mm -hmm. at halftime, I was over at my parents' house. I looked at my dad and said, this thing's not done. I've seen this movie before with the Indianapolis Colts, and this does not end well. Yep, we're going to need a touchdown or two here just to, to salt it away. And nothing, nothing in the second half. And it was so bad. And they had every opportunity to win it. Kirk Cousins threw a ridiculous pick, and they still went three and out and turned it over and couldn't do anything. But I will also say this. That was not even the most soul-crushing loss of this calendar year for the Colts. It was history. But I go back to the beginning of this year in January where you had to go down to Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. All you had to do was beat probably the worst team in the league to go to the playoffs, and you laid a complete egg. That loss, worse than what happened this past weekend. The Patriots game a couple weeks ago, where you just had your doors blown off, humiliated. It was disgusting from the minute it started to the minute that it ended. That was worse than what we saw this past weekend. We expected to lose this past weekend. Maybe not after being up 33 points, Mm -hmm. but that's not even close in the worst losses of this calendar year. So you're saying this weekend's loss didn't hurt as much as the beginning of the year. Right. There was nothing on the line this weekend. I think most Colts fans will tell you, you're not going to the playoffs anyway. You might as well lose. Right. We already knew we were bad, but you just, when you get up that much, I mean, imagine the joy in the Colts locker room at halftime and... If you're the Vikings, you're just shaking your head like, can't believe we're losing to these guys. Right. I would have rather lost like the Patriots style, I think, than (laughs) being embarrassed. But at the end of the day, it's probably the best result because the Colts, they ain't going anywhere this year. Get that better draft pick. But damn, to be part of history, though, like at that point, all right, you've already scored 33 points. Finish it off. You've already screwed the pooch. You're moving up the draft board. You're going the wrong way. Fine. But don't do that. That's Is so this the last time that we'll see Matt Ryan on the field? It could be. Very well could be. Will he get injured in practice this week or 
that's Stra- a possibility. His pride and bring on Nick Foles, baby. Yeah. Big blank Nick. Let's see what he's got. <laughs> You're paying the dude. Bring him out there. We've seen the Sam Ellinger experience. I'm not above trying it again, but I want to see some big blank Nick. Let's go. Put Foles in. What do we have to lose? We, we have nothing to lose right now. Civic pride is on the line. Come on. The Colts could still get a, I believe, a top five draft pick. And I'm looking at their schedule here. I know there's a couple losses still to come, but what scares me is that final regular season game against the Houston Texans here in Indy. The Texans are garbage, even though they tied the Colts earlier this year. Uh, That's a game. If the Colts can find a way to lose that, you can pick your quarterback in the draft. (laughs) They can find a way. (laughs) I want to see a gadget play every play from here on out. Make this fun. Boy, don't tell that to uh, Patriots fans, though, because that gadget play at the end of the game yesterday. What what could possibly go wrong? This is how my gambling weekend went, Casey. Yeah, I was wondering about that. For those who didn't see the ending of some of these games, uh, Buffalo's running back on Saturday night, in the snow, in the blizzard up in Buffalo he's running for a touchdown the Dolphins are letting him score there's 20 something seconds left and he goes down at the two voluntarily because they wanted the clock to tick to just Mm -hmm. kick the walk-off field goal he scores a touchdown I don't lose my bet (laughs) so I lost that (laughs) and bad beat number one so that's bad beat number one and yesterday I had the Patriots plus two Mm. and this game (laughs) Looked like it was going to overtime. And if it's going to overtime, I got a puncher's chance. Anything can happen. Mm -hmm. I can still win the game. Mm -hmm. Field goal, I win. Touchdown, I win. Whatever. And that, whatever that was from the Patriots, the lateral throwing it backwards to the ultimate pick six, I've never seen anything like that. So I lost two bets this weekend on a guy that chose not to score a touchdown (laughs) and the Raiders game. Were you yelling at the TV going, just go down? Just go down. Just go down. Yeah, play for overtime. What right. are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Stop! <laughs> <laughs> like, on one hand, it brings me joy to see the Patriots lose, but when you bet, mm-hmm. like, come on. You want to win. Hey, what's coming up this afternoon? Guy Relford will join us Monday, Gunday, and uh, Kevin Bowen will do a little post-mortem on the Colts. All right. Thanks, Hammer. This is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Oh,